Hey folks, and welcome back to another Blue Light Podcast Stroke YouTube video. Or you might actually be watching this on Facebook or LinkedIn or via Twitter. Wherever you're watching this or listening to this from, welcome, welcome. So for those of you who haven't been on one of these before, I'm Brendan from Blue Light, and over the past 10 years plus, I've been helping to support people to succeed in the police recruitment process. There's a good 12,000 people plus now who are in the police as a result of my support. Way before that, I was helping people within the service, my sergeants, my PCSOs, my constables, to succeed in interviews for promotions, specialist interviews. So I've been doing this now for over 26 years. Over 26 years, that's a quarter of a century. How old do I feel? Anyway, so one of the biggest parts of anything to do with promotions, specialist interviews, or recruitment is the interview. So whether, even if you only have to do the online assessment centre, there's still an interview involved in that. So this is the staple of the police recruitment process. And what I'm going to do in this podcast YouTube video is I'm going to revisit final interviews. Um, some some forces like uh, Leicestershire, I think, and Derbyshire do the interview before the online assessment centre. It's not really a final interview, but we'll call them final interviews for, um, uh, for, for ease here. Now, over the past year or so during the pandemic, all sorts of variations on a theme have been emerging. So what I'm going to do in this uh, video podcast is I'm going to talk you through every type of interview question and give you some examples, every type of interview question that you could possibly get. I'm not going to tell you which forces go with which ones because there's over 50 different versions of the interview final interview, pre-online assessment centre interview, and then don't get me started with British Transport Police, Police Service of Northern Ireland, Police Scotland, Civil Nuclear Constabulary, States of Jersey and Guernsey, the Belfast Ports Police, um, all sorts of smaller forces. It's probably pushing on about 60 different forces uh, that you can join in the United Kingdom. So let's start off with some favourites. First of all, why do you want to be a police officer? These are questions about your motivation, what's inspiring you to join the police. Often they'll tell you that this question is not being marked. Don't be fooled. It is. It is being marked. Even if it's not being marked formally, the interviewer is uh, listening to you and watching you and you're going to be making an impression. So it's really important that we get this one right. Um, next one. This is similar, and it's quite a blunt question, actually. I'm not going to say which force is asking it, but it's quite blunt. It's a northern force. What makes you believe you'd be a good fit in our force as a police constable? Also, I've heard it worded as, what makes you think you'd be a good constable? It's quite to the point, that, isn't it? So that is a question that's currently being asked. Um, other questions now. Uh, questions about your values. So what values are important to you? And that is often followed with, if you give an example of a value, they'll ask you for an example, a time when you've actually displayed that value. And next, uh, what values are important to the force and why? Uh, what skills do you bring to the police service and why would they be useful? What does the role of a police officer involve? Now, this is where it links in with the question, what have you done to find out more about the role? So what they're expecting here is for you to talk about what you've actually done. 
and it, Google is not the research they're looking for. So just consulting Google isn't enough. What they're after is something uh, a little bit more in-depth. British Transport Police, I don't know if they still do, but I know this from talking to the recruitment manager at British Transport Police, that actually give you some marks for you talking about how you've got off your backside and gone to a police station and actually talked to real-life police officers. Um, so this one, uh, next one's becoming particularly interesting because of the uh, demands of the police constable degree apprenticeship. So when you join the police, not only are you serving as a police officer and you're going through your initial training, you're also having to do all the work to complete a degree as part of the apprentice programme. So how will you in the future or how do you prioritise your time and what they're getting out there? It's how you can balance the demands of the police constable degree apprenticeship, the demands of the job, and the demands of your personal life. Moving on from that, what impact is being a police officer going to have on your personal life? That's a really interesting one, because many of you fall into the trap. Because I, I, I use this one on my webinars so I do as part of the final interview course and shameless plug if you want to find out about the final interview course there's some links below um, we have a weekly workshop a weekly interactive webinar once a week and they're recorded so you can watch a year's worth of these as part of the program but I'll ask this question and half the time people will come up with very limited answers they'll talk about uh, missing parties, not being able to have holidays when they want to, uh, finishing late, really basic stuff and not getting into the real impact on your mental health and the potential impact on your physical health and then ultimately not rounding it off with the most positive thing, the most positive thing about the impact of being a police officer on your life. And we, I go into great depth there to make sure that your answer is awesome. Uh, next, facts about the force. They're not going to ask you directly about uh, certain facts, although I do know of forces that have done this in the past. I've asked, so who's the chief constable at the moment? And uh, what's the chief constable in Binnen used for just recently? Um, Northumbria police used to ask questions about what, what tactical operations are we running at the moment? Uh, what can you tell me about Operation Big Job? Um, so you need to know your facts about the force, just in case you get a question about it, but importantly, so you can weave it in to especially the competency type questions. What challenges is this force facing? What's the biggest challenge that this force is facing? Um, austerity is not a good answer. Staffing, not a good answer. I want something that's far more complex and that demonstrates that you've got far greater understanding of the challenges the force is facing, in particular the big one. So what's the, what's the chief what's on the chief constable's mind every day? That is then often followed with, how will you help us meet those challenges? How will you help us meet those challenges? So this is where you'd need to have a really good structured answer to talk about your skills and values and sort of things that you would propose that you're going to do once you're in the police. Whether those things are naive or not, or whether they're practical or not, doesn't matter. What they're after is ideas. Why is diversity, equality and inclusion important to the police service? Why is diversity, equality and inclusion important to the police service? How will you enable this force 
to improve in respect of diversity, equality and inclusion? Those are tough questions, but there are forces out there now who are asking questions like this. Derbyshire is one of them, and there are others. Now we come to the uh, popular uh, rear-facing questions. These are the ones, people often call them the CVF questions. These start off with, can you tell me about a time when? So the idea behind these is if you can talk about your previous behaviours, they're a good indicator of what your future behaviours are going to be like. So, shall I give you a selection box here? Let's give you a selection box. What's important, by the way, is not that you know what the question is. It's you know how to answer it. Because the competency and values framework, uh, I know, it's confusing. Especially when you get to that wheel of confusion bit. Um, It's hard to fathom out. It's hard to actually fathom out which value or competency a question is based on. Actually, I'm going to prove that to you in a moment. Um, Let's just dig out the competency and values framework. Where is it? Where's my copy? There it is. Um, So I'll just get this ready for where I'm going to prove it. Um, One moment. So here we go. Here's a range of questions that you could get, which are the sort of standard CVF ones. Uh, Can you tell me about a time when you've made a difficult decision where you've had to account for that decision to other people? Can you tell me about a time when you've had to challenge someone's inappropriate behaviour? Can you tell me about a time when you've worked with others in order to solve a problem? Can you tell me about a time when you've taken on responsibility for solving a problem and worked with others to do so? Can you tell me about a time when you've overcome an obstacle? Can you tell me about a time when you've gone through a change process or you've supported other people in a change process? Can you tell me about a time when you've delivered an outstanding public service? Can you tell me about a time when you took on a task but it didn't go to plan? Can you tell me about a time when you've learnt something from a mistake? Can you tell me about a time when you've changed the style of your communication to meet the needs of others? And more. Um, I've got a whole, actually, this, uh, here's a shameless plug for you. Where is it? My messy office. Um, A whole question bank there for you. A whole question bank. If you're on the podcast, you won't be able to see this, but on my online course, I give you a question bank. It's got um, examples of questions that you could get asked, uh, including the behaviours that you should be um, outlining in your answer. So here we go, transparency. If you're watching this, there's a free gift for you. You just sort of freeze this. Press pause. There you go. Screenshot it. Um for every one of the values, every one of the competencies. Now, I did say before that uh, what people tend to do is they tend to get a bit bogged down in, right, I need to have an answer for each one of the values and each one of the competencies. But what if the force doesn't tell you what competency or value this next question is from? What if they just ask you the question? And you're thinking, uh, which competency is it from? Which value is it from? Well, let's take a look at one of them. Let's take a look at decision-making. So, decision-making. Let's have a look at the values first. Uh, We've got transparency here. I ensure that my decision-making rationale is clear and considered so it's easily understood by others. Can you tell me about a time when you've made a difficult decision where you've had to account for it to others? Sounds like a transparency question to me. Or is it? Because then we go to impartiality, where it talks about... 
I make fair and objective decisions using the best available evidence. Yeah. So, as a question about decision-making, an impartiality one? Hmm. And then, I mean, we could go to some others as well where they mention the D word, but there's a, a key one we analyse critically. Um, let's see. I, saw, I refer to procedures and precedents as necessary before making decisions. I weigh up the pros and cons of possible actions and think about potential risks and use this thinking to inform my decisions. Um, I recognise gaps and inconsistencies in information. I make decisions in alignment with our mission, values and the code of ethics. Actually, analyse critically mentions the D word more than impartiality or transparency does. So you tell me, which competency or value is a question about decision-making, assessing. My answer would be, I don't care. I'm just going to answer the question in a structured way. I'm going to provide a lot of detail. I'm going to be authentic. And I'm going to put an emotional slant on it as well. I'm going to be my structured and detailed, authentic and emotional self. And I'm going to use the Salku method to structure the answer more about that in other podcasts. That's a method I advocate. And if you do that and include all the things that I advocate, you are going to hit all the behaviours. It doesn't matter which value or competency it's from. Because the other key thing is, do you think your assessors know? Do you think they understand the competency and values framework? Do you think they understand why values don't have different levels, but competencies do? And why competencies have three levels? And why they are structured into clusters. Why? <laughs> why? And why do they use words that are so confusing? And why do they seem to cross over so much? I don't know the answers to those questions, by the way. They're rhetorical questions. If you know, please do let me know. I studied this stuff. I went to university when I was a police officer when I was in training. I studied for a master's in education, where I focused on personnel evaluation systems. And I still don't understand parts of the CVF. So there. <laughs> so I know lots of serving officers don't because I, I work with lots of sergeants, inspectors, chief inspectors and people who are aspiring to be superintendents um, in the in-service um, uh, advancement group. Uh, this is for serving police officers. Every week we meet, for a, uh, we meet for an hour or two where we run through practice interview questions that they're going to get at boards and specialist interviews and transfer interviews. And talking to them... They don't understand it neither. And I've seen a lot of the feedback that my clients have had. And the feedback bears no resemblance to the behaviours in the CVF. So I know some of you might be thinking, well, why have it? Well, it's what we've got and it's the best we've got. So we've just got to work with it. So my advice is just answer the question. Stop worrying about what value or competency it's from. Anyway, continuing, continuing, continuing. Now we get to the sort of forward-facing questions. Ooh, these are interesting. Um, how will you ensure that you carry out effective community engagement once you're a police officer? How will you manage change in the community? You might be thinking, gosh, are you sure those aren't questions for serving officers? Nope, Cheshire asked those questions. Um, and other forward-facing questions like, uh, how, will you, how would you challenge someone's inappropriate behaviour, even if they were one of your supervising officers? How would you go about problem solving in partnership with other organisations? 
Now, these are asking you how you're going to do something in the past, in the future, not what you've done in the past. Um, so they're quite interesting. Uh, and then the situational questions. Um, Norfolk Constabulary, at this moment in time, are asking you about how you would deliver a death message. So telling a parent that their son or daughter has died in a road traffic collision. Um, Durham Constabulary are asking questions about uh, homelessness and how you would deal with a vulnerable person who's homeless. Um, and I can't remember the force now, but there's another force out there asking questions about how you deal with a, a, a sergeant who was using language that was sexist. So they're situational questions. They'll give you a little bit more information and ask you how would you go about dealing with this. Uh, North Yorkshire Police have micro-exercises where they'll give you a situation, a scenario, and ask you to write or talk or both about how you would deal with it. Road traffic collisions and missing from homes. So these require a little bit of knowledge of policing, I would suspect. Although the police force would say, no, no, you don't. You should be able to work out how to do these things yourself. And then we get to the far more complex things. Um, the Metropolitan Police currently for the direct entry detective process and other forces do this as well. They use an intray exercise um, and also a briefing that you've got to do about a scenario that they give you. Other forces are asking you to do, ten, quite a few forces actually now are asking you to do 10 minute presentations. Sometimes of subjects of your choice, sometimes of subjects that you're given half an hour beforehand, uh, sometimes on a fixed subject or subjects. So Nottinghamshire Police at this moment in time ask three questions. They're questions about your motivation, uh, the challenges the force faces, and what would you do to help us meet those challenges? That's just three interview questions rolled into one presentation. So actually, you've got 10 minutes to answer three interview questions, but we're just not going to interrupt you. So don't get bogged down thinking that you need to do some fancy presentation. 10 minutes is nothing. Tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you've told them. And have some kind of hook in there. You know, make your presentation impactive right from the beginning. Get some kind of hook in there. A little known fact or a little anecdote that links in with something that's going to grab their attention. Because can I share with you that most of the presentations that I hear in my coaching or in my webinars, I'm sorry, folks, but they're really boring. And they're not actually answering the question half the time. And when they do allow you to do PowerPoint presentation, oh my goodness, death by PowerPoint. It's just someone reading off a PowerPoint. Boring. Don't use PowerPoint. Use props. Um, what else have we got? Group exercises. Mm, interesting stuff. Now COVID starting to relax forces. Uh, I know of one force that's looking to reintroduce their group exercises. Um, I think Police Scotland are already doing them. Um, and then there's also role plays. Role plays, role plays, role plays. Quite a few forces are now using role plays. Police Service, Police Service of Northern Ireland are using them. Metropolitan Police are using role plays as part of the final process. Greater Manchester Police were using them for the detective process. I think they've stopped using them now. Don't know why. They might reintroduce them. Role plays are really popular as well, whether they're putting you in the role of a police officer or putting you in a different role. And lastly, one of the weirdest ones I've come across is definitions. <laughs> Honestly, really? Uh, Derbyshire Constabulary um, asking you to interpret a definition. 
So it might be the unlawful taking of a motor vehicle. Interpret this and how you would ensure that you would prove all the points that need proving. What's that all about? Um, but anyway, forces, what this tells me is that forces can introduce anything they want. And what I've seen over the past 11 years now plus, getting on for 12 years, is that forces have no problem at all with just changing the style of their final interview on a sixpence. It doesn't seem to take them months and years of research like the College of Policing to develop an assessment process. They'll just change their minds in the space of a week. And they do it often as well. They do it often. So that's something to be wary of. Just because one of your friends went for an interview last year with a particular force and said, these are the questions I I was asked, doesn't mean to say that they're going to be the same questions now. Some advice? Well, listen, this is a shameless plug. Come and join the interview course. Come and join my webinars watch all a year's worth of interactive webinars forget amazon prime forget netflix who wants to watch afterlife anyway watch blue light tv i know you'd be sick of the sound of my voice but that's where you need to be and then go and practice and practice and practice so that no matter what they throw at you you are ready there's no luck involved there's no luck involved I never wish any of my clients luck. I wish them good practice and good preparation. If you're relying on luck, you're too late. You're too late. So there you go, folks. Hope you enjoyed that podcast. Hope you enjoyed this video. Hope it was helpful. When I look at this range of questions, it it really does strike me that a lot is being asked of you. But then again, is it any more than people have um, always been asked of them to join the police service? Another podcast, six days worth of interviews and assessments I went through, three of three days in the Welsh mountains, three days and two nights in the Welsh mountains. That's another story. Anyway, <laughs> I still asked a lot of those questions that we just talked about. Uh, we had situationals back then. We had, tell me about a time when you had to make a difficult decision, except I was running down a mountain whilst I was being asked that question by um, an inspector, a particularly uh, anxious inspector who wanted me to run faster whilst answering the question. Uh, all good stuff from back in the 80s okay folks i shall catch up with you soon take care of yourselves speak to you soon bye bye for now